الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله اللهم لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك وعظيم سلطانك سبحانك اللهم لا نحسي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على رسوله سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا وبعد أمر الله تبارك وتعالى نبيه صلى الله عليه وسلم وقل ربي زدني علما وصدق الله العظيم All praises to Allah All praises to Allah All praises to Allah who guided us to this Who guided us to Islam and to Iman And to his Mubarak house on this Mubarak hour of this Mubarak day And we were not to be guided Was it not that Allah Ta'ala had guided us O oh Allah to you is praise as is commensurate with the majesty of your countenance And the greatness of your authority O oh Allah we do not limit you with any praise we can come up with ourselves Rather we admit that you are the only one who knows the true extent of your praiseworthiness and may the peace and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon his servant and messenger, our master Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May the peace and blessings of Allah ta'ala be upon him and upon his noble companions and upon his pure wives and upon his mubarak and blessed family and progeny and upon all of those who follow all of their way until the day of judgment. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never asked for more of anything. Everything he had, Allah Ta'ala gave him, he was content with. And his Mubarak habit, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, was not to ask for more, rather to ask for barakah, to ask for blessings, to ask for usefulness, and for increase out of what he already has, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Asking for more and more, this is an attribute of Jahannam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask the hellfire by the text of the Qur'an itself. Are you, are you filled yet? Are you full yet? And the jawab, the response of Jahannam is, mazid? Is there more? Give me more. Asking for more all the time is a sifa and an attribute of cancer. It will well up inside of a body and destroy it. There are two notable exceptions to this. There are two notable exceptions to this rule. One is milk. Milk is in the imagery of the sunnah, a metaphor for the nature, the aboriginal nature of a human being, for the fitrah, which the deen preserves in a human being, that you should be like a human being, you shouldn't behave like another animal, or you shouldn't be inhuman. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam upon drinking milk would say, Allahumma barak lana fihi wa zidna minhu. Oh Allah, put barakah in it for us and give us an increase. And the second exception comes from the text of the Qur'an by the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. By the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَقُرْ رَبِّ زِدْنِي عِلْمًا Allah Most High says to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Muhammad alayka salatu wa salam, say, my Lord increase me in knowledge. My Lord increase me in knowledge. 
the acquisition of knowledge being a foundational virtue of our religion. The idea that we appreciate knowledge is not merely a fiqhi command, not merely a legal command, rather it is a part of our aqidah, it is part of our belief by which we can claim that we have a valid faith inside of our hearts, that we, that we honor knowledge and we consider knowing to be superior to not knowing. We consider having knowledge to be superior to ignorance. But what is the definition of this knowledge? What is the definition of this knowledge? It's very interesting that we live amongst the people who have a very disjointed view of the universe around them. So there is a sacred sphere and there is a secular sphere. There is an idea that a person renders unto God what is God's and unto Caesar what is Caesar's. This is not the point of view that is taught by the wahi of Islam. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in his book, You don't see any gaps in the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most merciful. Rather, everything is seamless. We don't have this disjointed view of the world. Because we render unto Allah Ta'ala what is His. And the only thing we give to Caesar is what Caesar has a right to take by virtue of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala having given him the right. Caesar in this, in this, in this expression being a metaphor for worldly power and worldly authority which Islam acknowledges. Which Islam acknowledges, but it is not authority in and of itself. Rather, its authority derives its legitimacy from the mandate of absolute authority, which is that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't have a disjointed view of the universe. Rather, knowledge is knowledge. Knowledge is knowledge. But does that mean, وَقُلْ رَبِّ زِدْنِي عِلْمًا is a commandment for a person to become a physicist, or to become a doctor, or to learn more about uh, uh, you know, advances in space exploration, or to learn more about even more mundane things like the, 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 you know, the day-to-day, uh, the way your car functions, or uh, you know, interests that people have, cultural interests and uh, interests in the arts, etc. The answer is that those things are not the same as the knowledge of wahi. Just because we don't say that there is a sacred knowledge and a non-sacred knowledge, everything has some sacredness in, in, in the sense that everything connects with the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Still, there are priorities. Certain things have a higher priority than others. This understanding of what the priorities of things are is a, an attribute that is known as faqaha. Rasulullah wasallam says in a hadith of Sahih Bukhari, مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّهُ فِي الدِّينِ وَإِنَّمَا أَنَا قَاسِمٌ وَاللَّهُ يُعْطِي Whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes good for, He gives them a lot of money, He makes them into a doctor, He gives them a nice car, he gives them a lot of friends. Those things may be true. They also may not be true. But what did Rasulullah wasallam say? This is whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes good for. The one consistent thing you'll see across the board is that he gives him, gives that person understanding of the deen. Ghazali rahimahullah ta'ala, he said the foundational, the foundational uh, step and station of faqaha, of this understanding of the deen, is for somebody to understand intuitively that the akhirah is superior to the dunya. Allah Ta'ala says in His book, وَالْآخِرَةُ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى the, the akhirah, the hereafter, is more intense than this universe and it lasts forever, it never ends. This is a, a step of knowledge based on which other knowledge is built. And the philosophers from amongst the Muslims divided knowledge into three broad categories, two of which 
a person, whether they believe in God or not, much less Islam, all agree upon. One is the knowledge that you have, experiential knowledge, uh, which you empirically uh, experience around you. You put your hand in fire, you feel that it's hot. You don't have to be a Muslim in order to understand that. The second is rational knowledge, which includes a number of things like the ability of someone to make analogy. So if you know A equals B and B equals C, not necessarily what, what is the relationship between what is the relationship between A and C? They must be equal. If the first two statements are true, the third statement has to be true. You don't have to empirically uh, uh, weigh A and C in order to figure that out. These things everybody agrees on, whether a person believes in God or not, much less being a Muslim. This is the secret of why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the first wahi, literally the first wahi that was put down on the heart of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa the messenger of Allah. اِقْرَأْ بِسْمِ رَبِّكَ الَّذِي خَلَقْ خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ عَلَقْ اِقْرَأْ وَرَبُّكَ الْأَكْرَمِ الَّذِي عَلَّمَ بِالْقَلَمِ عَلَّمَ الْإِنسَانَ مَا لَمْ يَعْلَمْ Read in the name of your Lord who created mankind from a clot of blood. Read in your Lord is most generous. The one who taught mankind by the pen, taught mankind that which he knew not. Meaning what? Knowledge when it comes to the expressions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When it comes to the expressions of the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, knowledge is given priority when it comes directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the form of wahi, in the form of revelation, for two reasons. One is for a person to appreciate what revelation is. The first two faculties have to be sound. You have to be sound of experience. You cannot be insane. That's why our ulama say that the person who's insane is not, is not mukallaf, is not legally responsible for the ahkam of the sharia anyway. And the person has to have a correct rational faculty in the first place in order to understand that revelation is possible and that it is a thing that needs to be understood and respected. On the heels of it, if you perfect these two knowledges, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you a third one that would allow you to understand the thing that you wouldn't have been able to understand. Had you been the biggest genius in the world, everybody in the Alan Masjid is Einstein, the level of genius in, in, uh, in every different field. And Allah ta'ala gave each of us 10 million years of life. And we work together uh, for those 10 million years, collaborated, studied, debated, discussed, wrote, reviewed, etc., and collected all of our knowledge together, we still wouldn't be able to scratch the surface of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us with wahi. Allama al insana ma lam ya'lam. Allah ta'ala taught mankind that which he didn't know. Ma lam ya'lam. Grammatically, on the face of it, it means what? What mankind didn't know. But the meaning of it is what? What he didn't know. And what he still doesn't know. And what he never would have known had Allah Ta'ala not told him. This is the foundation of Islam. This is why the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum at the dawn of Iqra, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when the wahi came down on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it said that no more than 10 men of Quraysh even knew how to read and write. No more than 10 men of Quraysh even knew how to read and write, which is relatively backwards even for the time and the place that they lived in. Even for the age that they lived in. The Romans and the Persians had such advanced technology. Imagine the Persian Empire, they had engineers who were so advanced that they could dig a tunnel from three miles away, four miles away on two different sides of the mountain. If you dig from one side, it will take a very long time to dig a tunnel for an aqueduct through a mountain. 
So if you start digging from both sides, it literally takes half the time to dig the tunnel. The problem is that the calculations using pre-modern methods were so precarious that if you're off, imagine through solid rock, if you're off even by, by, by nine inches, by six inches, it's solid rock, two sides of the tunnel would pass each other and they would never meet. They could make, they could make a, their mathematics and their engineering abilities were so advanced that they could make the tunnel meet from both sides when building an aqueduct from miles away. That's a level of precision perhaps none of us in this room has right now in terms of craftsmanship, math- knowledge of mathematics, knowledge of, of engineering. I've been called to many masajid to orient the qibla correctly. You'd be surprised. Even people who have master's degrees, PhDs in engineering, they forget all of their basic uh, trigonometry and these types of things. The, 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 the age they lived in, even for the age they lived in, late antiquity, ancient times, even for that standard, they were relatively backwards people. How is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them the success that they had? After, after all, the stories we tell about the Sahaba radiallahu anhum and their futuhat and conquests, it's not Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. Why? What's the difference? They may be just as interesting stories, but these things actually happened, whereas those things never happened. It's completely fictional. It's something, it's a figment of a man's imagination. Why was it that they were able to do what they did? Is it because of their experience? Was it because of their superior uh, uh, rational abilities? Was it because of, uh, of their uh, uh, being able to come together and figure things out on their own? Absolutely not. The, the, whole, the whole pleasure of that Allah ta'a taught mankind that which he knew not is what? You will go so far on your own knowledge and you're not told not to do that. Like I said from before, having a sound mind itself is a prerequisite in order to be able to appreciate wahi, revelation. You'll go so far on your own knowledge, but how far you'll go on the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's something that has no limit. Not in this world, nor in the hereafter. If you want to be someone who does things yourself, then go ahead and do it. See where it takes you. See where it's taking us right now. People want to abandon the ways of the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. People want to abandon the ways of the deen. They say, this is impractical. I tell you, brothers and sisters, abandoning the ways of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, abandoning the ways of, of the deen, abandoning the ways of wahi, that's impractical. That's what the ummah has been doing communally, although individual exceptions may exist. But communally, that's what the ummah has been doing for the last several centuries. This is not practical, that's not practical. I tell you, brothers and sisters, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a person who has a sound mind will see how abandoning the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's very impractical. It's extremely impractical. The way to excel in the deen is what? To come to the wahi, not as a special snowflake that has your own ideas and that I have my own ideas and I have my own special take on life and I knew this and I have this experience, I have that experience. Rather, in front of the wahi, in front of the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of us are equal in the sense that every single neck is bent in submission to it. There's no person whose knowledge brings anything to the table whatsoever. It's only in the submission that a person will, that a person will succeed. Yet, 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 as a people, we value other types of education more than we value education in the deen. Empirically, it's something that's very easy to verify. How many years has a person studied? 
How many years has a person studied engineering? How many years has a person studied law? How many years has a person studied medicine? How many years has a person studied all of all of these different sciences? Which Get, trust me, I'm not against any of these things. I myself, I have a bachelor's degree in biochemistry. I myself have an interest in sciences. I myself have an interest in mathematics. I myself have an interest in history and other uh, social sciences, etc. How many years do we study these other things? And how many years do we take learning the language of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah ta'ala who said, We sent it down as an Arabic Qur'an in order that you be people of rationality. The idea is that in order to understand the Qur'an, you need to know Arabic. And unfortunately, unfortunately, our brothers and sisters who are non-Arabs, they may say, why is he browbeating me for not knowing Arabic? This is racist. This is racism in favor of Arabs. Take glad tidings, my friends. Nobody's browbeating you. Why? Because our Arab brothers and sisters, they also don't know the language of the Qur'an. إِلَّا مَنْ رَحِمَ رَبُّهُ Except for those very few people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had mercy on. Why? Because the Shlonak and the Isaac and the Shubiddak of the streets of Damascus and Cairo. This is not the language of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What, is, what makes Arabic Arabic? Al-I'rab, the grammatical case endings, literally is what make Arabic Arabic. To speak Arabic without grammatical case endings makes the dialects of the Arabs just as close to Arabic as Hebrew and Syriac are. We don't spend time, we don't value learning these things, we don't teach these things to our children. How many of us have learned the aqidah of, the, uh, of Islam? I'm not even talking about fiqhi differences. You want to say ameen out loud, don't say ameen out loud. Raise your hand one time in the beginning of the prayer. Raise your hand several times in the, during the prayer. Uh, one salam, two salams, three salams. You know, pray with your hands here or here or on top of your... I'm not even talking about any of these things. I'm talking about just the basics of the belief of the deen that people assume that they know. But if wahi is something you have to learn, if you haven't sat through and received a text in one of these subjects, how can a person justifiably claim that they know? In fact, this is part of the teachings of the deen and part of the culture of learning of the Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah that a person saying, I don't know, is a sign that that person has knowledge and it's a sign that that person will keep learning. لا أدري نصف العلم مالك رحمه الله تعالى أمير المؤمنين في في الحديث في أصله he said that to say I don't know is half of knowledge if you cannot say I don't know خلاص that means the majority of knowledge is you've missed it to say لا أدري to say I don't know is the shield of the the person of knowledge it protects them from so many from so many tribulations yet yet we have trouble even saying that much. That doesn't even require studying with the teacher or being able to properly put grammatical case endings at the ends of words on reading a classical Arabic text. These are things we need to think about. The way to solve these problems is not to protest and say, I know. The way to solve this problem is to learn. To take some time out and say, oh my God, Shaykh, how am I going to become a, an alim? You're talking about learning classical Arabic. How am I going to even learn this most simplest of things? It's pretty practical. I have so many children. I have very little time in the day. I have this, I have that. Look, there's two things. One is a journey of a, a thousand miles begins with what? It becomes, begins with one step. A person who takes time out finds somebody who is an alim, rabbani, a person who has knowledge and the effects of their connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are apparent in their, in their actions and in even looking in their, their faces. You have your Shaykh Abdurrahman and you have so many other, mashallah, people who graduated from different madaris in the world and from Al-Azhar al-Sharif and from all of these different institutions. They're, they're here for you to access. 
Some of them, you may think that they won't give you time. Trust me, every person who has a love of knowledge, it's his like secret dream. Someone comes to him and says, Shaykh, can you teach me aqidah? Can you teach me the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Can you teach me uh, the tajweed of Qur'an? They would love for you to do that. Literally, they would love for you to do that. The way to solve the problem is not pretending it doesn't exist. The way to solve the problem is to start. Now look, every person is not obliged in this deen to become an encyclopedic scholar of Islamic knowledge, nor is it practical, nor is it possible even if we tried. However, every person is obliged to at least have received. Remember, what did we say? You don't put the puzzle together because ilm is not like Burger King where you can have it your way. I know those ads haven't played for some time, but you can't have it your way. Rather, you sit from the beginning to the end and receive, receive the transmitted uh, uh, instructions regarding how these things are done. Someone will say, well, one shaykh tells me one thing, another shaykh tells me another thing. Some of these things are accepted differences of opinion. You don't have to learn everything, but that's not an excuse to learn nothing. Get something from somebody. You don't have to correct other people, but you should receive something from a, a, an authoritative source and benefit from it. After that, look at your children. Look at your children. Those children, you fear for their poverty because you love them. And I love my children, you love your children. We love the children of the Ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We fear anything happening to them, as we should. It's a sign of love, it's a sign of the fitrah. What did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say with regards to the fear for those children? La akhsha alaykum al-faqr. Akhsha. أَن تُبْسَطَ الدُّنْيَا عَلَيْكُمْ كَمَا بُسِتَتْ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ فَتَنَافَسُوهَا كَمَا تَنَافَسُوهَا فَتُهْلِكُكُمْ كَمَا أَهْلَكَتْهُمْ Indeed, I don't fear for you poverty. Imagine the poverty Rasulullah saw amongst his companions who he was addressing primarily and then secondarily the rest of the ummah through them. The poverty was what? That there were people who used to eat a day, a day that was all the food that they had. The days would go by, they wouldn't eat cooked food, just a date and, 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 and water. Some of them half a date, some of them didn't even have that every day. What did he say to them? Looking at them in this difficult position, he said what? And he himself was in that difficult position. When they were working on the khandaq, he was so, they were so hungry that to tie stones to their stomachs in order to do the work. And they complained to him, Ya Rasulullah, aren't we on the haq? How come we have to go through so much difficulty? We have to tie stones to our stomachs in order to keep our back straight and keep doing the work. And he lifted his shirt, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and there was two stones tied to him. He's the one who's saying it. What did he say? I don't fear for you poverty. What do I fear for you? That the dunya will open up on you like it opened up on the people that came from before you. And you will vie with one another in order to receive it like they vied with one another, and it will destroy you like it destroyed them. So fear for your children's poverty, Allah Ta'ala protect all of them from it. As for Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's own children, if you want to follow the sunnah, instead of browbeating people for because you have a beard and they don't have a beard, what was his dua? Allahumma ja'al, rizq the Ali Muhammadin Qutan. Oh Allah Ta'ala, make the rizq, make the provision of the family of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam nothing more than what they need to stave off hunger. That's fine, put that to the side for a second. If you fear for your children, then put them into schools that they can learn 
classical Arabic. Put them into school so they can memorize the book of Allah Ta'ala. Put them into school so that they can learn the aqidah that we weren't able to learn because of our own circumstances or because of our own heedlessness or because whether it's our fault or not, whatever happened, happened. Put them into schools. Put them with the ulama. If the ulama that are here don't have time, bring more people. This masjid of this size should have literally five or six imams. Bring those people, have those programs in place in order for them to receive this. For receive this uh, uh, tradition. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made so many paths to achieve a goal. If you couldn't learn it yourself, if you're the cause of another person learning it, Allah ta'ala on the day of judgment, you'll stand in the line with the people who have that knowledge and learn that knowledge. And ignoring the issue is not going to help anything. It's just going to make it worse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us so much tawfiq. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum nisa'il al-muslimina fa astaghfiruhu إنه هو الغفور الرحيم